Ellen kept her silence, but she saw signs of special talents in Jethro, and she watched over him with special tenderness. They worked together for an hour or more without speaking. Ellen was grave and absorbed in the anxious thoughts of that spring. Jethro was accustomed to adapting himself to the behaviors and moods of older people, and he found enough in the world about him to occupy his interest as he worked. A south breeze brought the scent of lilacs and sweet fennel to his nostrils, and set all the frosty green leaves of a silver poplar tree to trembling. There was a column of wood smoke feathering up from the kitchen chimney, a sign that Jenny was already making preparations for a hearty noon meal. From the neighboring field across the creek, he could hear the shouted commands to the plow horses, as Matt Crichton and his two older sons got on with the spring plowing. It was a fine morning. Many people around him were troubled, he knew, but that was a part of the adult world which he accepted as a matter of course. Adults were usually troubled. There were chinch bugs and grasshoppers, months of drought, elections, slavery, secession, talk of war. The adult world of trouble, though, was not real enough to dim the goodness of an April morning. At about seven o'clock, a team and wagon pulled out of the barn lot, stopping for a minute before turning into the road while the driver spoke to a girl who came running out of the kitchen door. Jethro chuckled. Shad's leaving for Newton now, I guess. Jenny has to say goodbye like as if he was going to the North Pole. He watched the wagon from the corner of his eye as he worked, and when the team started coming down the road toward the potato patch, he put the heavy bag of cuttings aside and raced across the field to the roadside. His mother laid down her hoe and followed slowly, picking her way over the mounds of plowed earth that Jethro's feet seemed barely to touch. The young schoolmaster stopped the team and climbed down from the wagon to stand at the fence row, waiting for Jethro and Ellen to come up from midfield. He was a tall, powerfully built youth of twenty, with a firm mouth and grave, dark eyes that gave him the appearance of an older man. He'd come out from Pennsylvania three years earlier to study at McKendry College, where an uncle was professor of natural philosophy, a subject that later generations would call physics. Faced with insufficient funds to carry on his studies at the end of his first year, young Yale had turned to the country schools as a stepping stone toward further work in college, and a series of circumstances had led him to the school for which Matt Crichton served as a director. Here he had stayed. Not just one year as originally planned, but two. And now, in 1861, he had hired himself out as a farmhand to Matt for the summer, and contracted to teach still a third term that fall. He'd been stricken with typhoid fever during his first year of teaching, and Ellen Crichton had patiently nursed him back to health with the skills she had learned over the years. There was a strong tie of affection between the two of them. Ellen counted Shadrach as a part of her family and looked after him as she did her own, and Shadrach Yale, in turn, showed a thoughtful courtesy for her that few women of the prairies received from their own sons. "'We be back by supper time, Shad?' Jethro called breathlessly as he approached the fence row. At school, he addressed the young teacher as master, but now the Shadrach was so much a member of the family, the necessary formalities of a schoolroom were forgotten. "'It's not likely, Jeff. Not before nine or maybe later.' Shadrach smiled at the thin, eager face turned up to him. 
He was mature enough at twenty to appreciate being a hero to a nine-year-old boy. Besides that, Jethro's quick mind and delight in learning had been a source of pleasure for studious young Yale, who had known the frustration of trying to penetrate the apathy and unconcern of a backwoods classroom. He had talked to both parents about the promise he recognized in the boy. Matt, in spite of his pleasure, had shaken his head and wondered if the praise for Jethro had not stemmed from interests in Jethro's sister, Jenny. But Ellen had felt no doubts. The praise was in line with what she herself believed firmly. She stood beside the gray rails that morning with her hands folded beneath her apron. Matt had made a pretext of needing supplies from town, but she knew that this trip to Newton in the midst of a late planting season would have been unthinkable except for the urgency of getting word from the world beyond their own fields and woods pastures. Her face looked drawn in the bright sunlight.